Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Uh, welcome to the Living Free Show on 3CR Community Radio, 855 kilohertz on your AM dial. Thanks to the Ruminations crew for another great show highlighting issues around homelessness. I'm Bill, and I'd like to welcome Rachel to the 3CR studio this afternoon. Hi. Hi, Bill. Uh, Rachel's a member of Gambles Anonymous, and she'll share her experience of her compulsive gambling and how GA has helped her. So we usually start just talking about growing up and mm. what, what life's like. So what was family life like for you? Well, Bill, when I grow, grew up in a big family, um, very loud family, um, but for me, I felt a bit isolated and lonely in that big family because I'm pretty quiet. Um, and, you know, there are a fair number of people in my family that uh, have mental illness and um, potentially addictions. So, you know, um, I suppose a bit of emotional unavailability was occurring there. Um, so, yeah, it was a bit a bit confusing and... Um, dysfunctional I suppose is the way to look at it yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when you were youngest like in uh, primary school and things like that did you did you find yourself feeling a bit separate from the other kids or look I had friends at school but I never really felt like I belonged to those friends I always felt a bit different than others um you know I was in a small group of kids that you know we were the smart kids but in being the smart kids, that meant that you didn't belong with the rest of the yeah. kids. Um, yeah. And, you know, I always just wanted people to like me. Um, very much, you know, if people didn't like me, then, you know, that just tapped into um, that sense of loneliness and um, separation, I suppose, from the group. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, if, if they don't like me, there's something wrong with me. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, definitely felt that a lot of the time as a child. Mm. So when did things start to change for you growing up? When did you start feeling a bit more comfortable with yourself? Really not until I got to the fellowship. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. You know, mm. um, as a teenager, um, my parents um, started having difficulties and they um, separated in my late teens um, you know, the close family, even though I did say I had a difficulty, you know, a dysfunctional family, we'd been close and spent a lot of time together and that sort of disappeared and, you know, I was 18 and an adult and didn't know what to do with myself and, you know, bumbled along, I suppose, for a long time. Um, and it's not till I got to the fellowship that I actually started feeling a bit of self-worth, sense of self-worth and, um, you know, that I did actually belong somewhere. Okay. So drugs and alcohol, did they play <clears throat> any part in your life? Yeah, they did. Um, never been a good drinker. Um, <laughs> so, you know, drugs definitely. Um, you know, in my late teens, early 20s, the cool people used drugs. So, you know, I did hang around with a lot of people who used drugs because if I was with the cool people, then I belonged. Yes, yeah. Okay. You know, 
um, which in retrospect isn't really the way it works. But, you know, at the time that's what I thought was the right thing to do. So did that um, affect your work? Um, look, I don't really know. I still I held down jobs. Um, you know, for me in my 20s, I was working in pubs and bars, p- pulling beers. So being dysfunctional yeah. doesn't really yeah. have much effect on that, keeping holding down that job. Um, you fit it right in, yeah. I did, I did. You know, work night shifts a lot. Um, yeah. So, you know, staying up till all hours didn't matter because you could sleep during the day. Um, as to my efficiencies in those jobs, goodness knows. But, you know, I managed, I did hold down jobs. Yeah. So did that, being in sort of a hospitality area, did that make it easier to get into gambling? Oh, absolutely. Um, You know, working jobs like that, you don't tend to um, have the same working hours as most people. So I had a lot of unaccountable time. Um, You know, when I first started gambling, in lots of ways I did it out of boredom. Um, And, you know, you'd finish work at three o'clock in the afternoon and go, well, I want to go home and sit by myself and nobody's home from work yet, so I'll go and gamble for a little bit. Um, so for me, most of my gambling was actually by myself. Um, I went back to study and had time off in between classes. So what do you do? You go yeah. and gamble. Yeah. <laughs> right. So everybody knows gambling is an expensive habit. Yes. So what did that mean for your life? Oh, um, what did that mean for my life? Um, it meant, you know, to begin with, um, I didn't gamble I, well, I felt like I gambled with him in my means, but it soon became a situation where I needed more money. So for me, that was about getting credit cards, um, you know, and getting lots of cash advances on your credit cards. Um, I ended up, I think, with about five or six credit cards, um, ended up getting debt consolidation loans to cover those credit cards and then rack up the debt on the credit card again. Mm, right. <laughs> so, That's a bad cycle, isn't it? It's a horrible cycle. Yeah. Um, so having, I suppose you had pokies where you worked as well. Yep. So was that difficult? Look, to begin with, no. It was easy to separate that, um, you know, it's work. Um, most venues don't actually allow staff to um, play to the get, pokies yeah. at yeah. their venue. Um, it got to a point though, when I would watch people playing, it would make me dream about, you know, go into that dream world and think about, well, what if, what if I won that? Yeah. You know, and particularly for me too, and, um, I've found this with other pokies players, you picked particular games to play. So you would watch people playing those, playing them, yeah, and go, oh, if they'd only, won, yeah. yeah, or but if they'd only been playing higher credits on that, yeah. you know, <laughs> <laughs> that was crazy. Yep. yep. So, did you ever steal? Yeah. 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 So, and, what sort of things? You know, this is always difficult to talk mm. about. Um, you know, I did things. You know, I'd do overings on the till and take money out of the till to have bets. Um, and, you know, we talked about this before. I did get to the point where I was punching on the horses at work as well. Okay, yeah. Um, you know, we always had a petty cash tin, so this wasn't more about stealing, but I would bet 
on the horses um, while I, I was at work and at the end of the shift the till would be down so I'd get money out of the petty cash tin, you know, put a note in there and cover it. Yeah. And cover it. Mm. Um, I did things like, um, you know, I stole housekeeping from home to punt and yep. it was supposed to be spent on food. I at times um, bet the rent money. Um, and then would get, you know, an advance from work on my holiday pay to cover that. Yeah, so always doing something, always having to compensate with something else. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Right. You know, robbing Peter to pay Paul yeah. type of, you know, and if I shuffle this bit of money here and I do that there and that sort of thing, it was always about trying to cover my tracks. And Yeah, uh, yeah. We, we were talking about it earlier before the show and um, – just that thing of having to have all of that inside your head and working it all out and trying to figure out who you owed money to and where it was all coming from is a full-time job. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, you know, the full-time job too is about the lies. Yeah. You know, um, and you do get to that point where you can't remember the lies you tell people, so you just don't say anything. Um, it's It's quite crazy. Yeah. So did you realise that you were compulsively gambling at that point or hadn't it really sunken in? No, I don't think I had. Um, I knew I had a problem, but in no way did I think I was compulsive. Um, That realisation about compulsion um, was when I actually first got into the rooms and read step one. Right, yeah. (laughs) You know, my life is, I'm powerless over gambling. My life is unmanageable. Um, You know, and I always thought, I mean, I'm not, I'm not the the smartest person in the world, but I'm not silly. And I just thought for myself, it was all about being weak willed more than anything else. Um, You know, I'm smart enough to stop myself from doing this, but obviously I'm. I'm not. Yeah. I'm weak. I'm weak yeah. and pathetic. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people talk about the first bet not being enough. So what what's that to you? For me, and I can give you great examples. Yeah. You know, I would walk into a pokies venue with X amount of dollars in a machine, and I'd sit down, and I'd win a lot of money in the first five minutes and I'd Mm. sit there and go, well, that's not what it was supposed to be about. (laughs) So then I would walk around with that money and proceed to punt it all away because I just had to punt, you know, and and particularly what I was talking about before about punting on the horses at work. It was never one bet, Mm. you know. Um, Towards the end, on a shift, I would bet on every race, and I had no interest in horses. <laughs> so did you look at the form? No. No. <laughs> no. I'd look at the numbers and go, okay, that's paying about, you know, 10 to 1. That's and what I need to cover that. Yeah. yeah, you know, that'll give me, if I put five bucks on that, that'll give me 50. And, you know, yeah. it, it, it was more about the what can I, the dollars that I can win. Yeah. Not, I had no idea about form. Mm. At all. <laughs> yeah, I remember watching my dad. He'd spend the whole of Saturday morning going through the form guide, marking it up for all the bets he was going to do in the afternoon. And he was he was an alcoholic, but he was a very responsible gambler. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, you know, we had gamblers in our family who were like that. Mm. You know, I know my grandfather used to do that on a Saturday. He would go to the pub with boys and they would have a small amount of money and they'd bet on all the races and drink their glasses of beer and it never got out of hand. 
you know, and, and I I didn't understand form is the other thing. <laughs> <laughs> People would explain it to me and go, no, 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 it's just got a nice name and it's yeah. going to pay me 20 to 1. It's all good. <laughs> so, um, so did it solve your feeling of loneliness at all or did it just consolidate it? When I was there, yes, it did. Mm. You know, I've... I, can still see myself walking towards the doors of venues and you know the second I walked across that threshold everything all those feelings of lack of self-worth and loneliness would all go away um you know in the industry staff are taught to be quite friendly and you know I was on first name basis at the venues I went with with the staff they knew I worked at another venue they knew I understood the job, the job that they were doing and how awful punters could, you know, nasty punters could be. Yep. Um, and because I was nice to them, they would always, oh, Rachel's here. Oh, and it's so good to see you. You know, yep. I've had such a bad day and I'd be, I'd console them. So it was, it was, there was no depth of friendship there, but it, it took away, I, there were no big demands being made upon me. It was merely me smiling at people and saying hi yep. and then, you know, genuinely feeling happy to see me <clears throat> that did take away though, that sense of loneliness. Yeah, okay. Um, so it must have impacted on your, your job, doing your job, mm. having all that additional anxiety. So yeah. did it sort of... <clears throat> mean that you couldn't do your job as well or what was the the conflict look i think for me what it did i could still you know being in hospitality a a lot of hospitality is is just procedure and getting the job done um i think what it did for me in my job is i was on an emotional roller coaster most of the time you know i was either angry and upset that i'd lost the money um, I was anxious because I'd been telling lies. I was ecstatic because I'd had a huge win the day before and then it was all, you know, the world was wonderful again. Um, you know, towards the end, I mean, I, in the venues I worked in, I worked everywhere. So, you know, in a public bar, you can very much say what you like. Mm. And <clears throat> my behaviour towards some customers was absolutely appalling. You know, I would tell them exactly what I thought of them and how I didn't like them and all I wanted to do was take their money and, you know, go and sit in the corner because I think you're a scumbag. (laughs) You know, and that was just, you know, so I think more it affected my – the impact on my job was my emotional well-being more than anything else. Yeah. Um, And I don't think I was a very nice person to be around really. Right, okay. Well, so we might break there. You're listening to Living Free on 3CR, 855 kilohertz on your AM dial and 3CR on digital radio. We have um, some podcasts of the show available and they're on our um, webpage, which is 3cr.org.au forward slash living free. There's about 50 shows if you want to have a look through. If you want to contact the station or call us, then you can on 9419 8377 or you can send us an email at 3 at gmail.com. And we have a presence on Facebook and Twitter if you want to follow us there. I'm talking with Rachel, and we're talking about gambling addiction. Um, so, Rachel, what? How, how did your gambling affect your relationship with your family? 
Um, it's an interesting question because I haven't actually worked this out until I got yeah. into the fellowship because I, as I think I said earlier, my, most of my gambling was alone um, and I didn't think, you know, um, the debt I got myself into was my own. Um, so I didn't think it affected anybody else. Um, you know, but in retrospect, looking at it, um, I, I, as I've said, I was, you know, a liar. So I, you know, would tell them what I thought they needed to hear, not the truth. Um, you know, um, I wasn't emotionally available. I would be at events and I'd physically be there, but I wouldn't mentally be there. Um, and I was renowned for calling at the last minute and saying I'm not coming. Wow. <laughs> Make you very popular. Oh, no, hugely popular, hugely popular. Um, and also, you know, the lack of money also meant that, it, you know, for example, you know, taking mum out for Mother's Day, I was always saying I didn't have enough money or let's go somewhere cheaper or, you know, and, and worrying about where I was going to get the money from to pay with this. So, you know, as I said before, robbing Peter to pay Paul, just so you sort of try and make sure I could meet family obligations. Yep. Um, so, and I guess... Keeping up appearances was something that you need to do to yeah. try and alleviate your own stress, but also so that your family doesn't sort of um, get in the way, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and I think talking about holding down a job, you know, if I'm holding down a job, everything's okay. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it looks um, good. It looks great. <laughs> you know, um, you know, I've, I've got, I said earlier, I've got other family members who've got addictions and they couldn't hold down jobs. You know, mm. they turned up looking dishevelled and, you know, under the influence of whatever drug they were taking, you know. Gamblers don't do that. No. We can still look the part and, you know, I, I did. I held a job with responsibility. Um, I went back to uni, so I was studying as well, so everything's okay. But there was that duality of my life. Um, you know, I pretended to be this strong person when in actual fact on the inside I was broken and in a lot of distress. Yeah. So did your parents support you? In what way? Well, just as, well, A, as a human being and, and B, financially. Financially, no, oh, well, yeah, my, <laughs> we talked about this earlier yeah. too, yeah. you know, my dad thought I wasn't punting so he helped me out in paying off one of my debts when in actual fact I was punting. Yeah. Um, you know, and they were very open and always a bit hippie parents and were always say, if you've got a problem, sweetheart, come and talk to me, you know. Um, but I never, you know, so so there was the appearances of that support, but I never felt like I actually really had it. Yeah. Um, so did you blame them for being the way you were? Of course I did. It wasn't my fault. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <clears throat> One of the distinctions I've managed to make in the fellowship is realising that I didn't know how to be an adult. And, you know, it was their fault I didn't know how to be an adult. They didn't teach me how to be an adult properly. Um, mm. You know, if they had given me all the things that I wanted, like the cars and the houses and the whatevers, you know, everything would be all right and I wouldn't have needed to have punted and I would have been a, you know, well-rounded individual. So you <laughs> um you know, but I blamed lots of people for my circumstance. You know, if I had a bad day, there was an excuse to go and punt. If my boss had given me a hard time, there was a reason to go and punt. 
Um, if I had a success in my life, there was a reason to go and punt. Um, you know, it. my circumstance was never... I hadn't made the choice to be a punter um, and have... It just happened. It happened to yeah. me. It, yeah. Yes, it <clears throat> happened. It didn't... Yeah. I didn't make the oh, choice. You didn't choose it, yeah. No. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so how about going to uni then? Did that did that make gambling easier or harder? Oh, it's a good question. You know, I thought thought that, you know, I was in a job that didn't satisfy me, so it was, okay, I'll go back to uni and get some skills and get into a career that I do actually want to do. Um, and I thought study would, you know... Stop the gambling. In actual fact, it didn't at all. It just made my life a bit more crazy. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, I remember one of my last exams. Um, the exams I had were held at a venue, so at one of the local race courses. So there was a venue there and they would hire out the yeah. the buildings. Yeah. So I had to walk through the venue to get there and it was a venue that I visited regularly. So I went and punted for the hour and a half before <laughs> the exam, looked at the time and went, right, I've got to go. I had a wad full of money in my wallet. Um, and I don't know whether you know, but the last 15 minutes of an exam, you're not allowed to leave. I left at 16 minutes <laughs> because I had money to burn, yeah. you know, and then proceeded to go and punt for the next however long. So it didn't actually make things any better. It just made my life there was a lot less sleep and more anxiety. Right, okay. Yeah, we were talking earlier about um, gamblers who actually win money, mm. and it's it's awkward because you've got money. Yeah, you, usually you oh. don't, and you've got all this damn money. It it's actually one of the most uncomfortable things in the world. Um, you know, when you didn't have money, you would be scrambling to find it. But walking out of a venue with a wad full of money, it it effectively burnt a hole in your pocket. You know, I would. And I told you this before, I would mm. wake up in the middle of the night and think somebody had broken into the house and stolen it yeah. and go to my wallet and go, no, it's, it's all still there, you know. Um, I would worry about my partner asking me for a loan when he never asked me for, to borrow any money and how was I going to explain this bulging wallet. wallet. Yeah. But the other thing I would do, I'd go out and buy things for people, you know, or I'd go out on a huge shopping spree for myself and buy all this new stuff and think that nobody thought that that was strange. Yeah. Did you ever think about paying off debt or not? Sometimes, yes. Yeah? Yeah, okay. sometimes I did. Um, you know, particularly all my bills were late all the mm. time. So, you know, it wasn't unusual to have, you know, that a red... Couple. <laughs> a couple of red notices saying, you know... Um, so yeah, I would pay off some of that stuff, um, mm. but never as much as I needed to, mm. you know, just the bare minimum. Okay. Um, so changing careers and getting into a profession. Mm. So how did that impact? Uh, how did that impact? Well, my, my time was now accountable. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, I went from a job, um, where I worked odd hours and then I went to a job working, you know, effectively nine to five Monday to Friday. Um, so I couldn't just go and punt for as long as I wanted. And, you know, the question is of where... Couldn't just slip out. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. no. 
Um, I couldn't punt on the job either. I mean, at the time there was internet gambling, but that was never something that I'd got into. I was a a graduate in a graduate program in a big professional firm, mid-tier firm in Collins Street. So, you know, I had to perform. um, And that was full of enough anxiety without going to punt on my lunch break. So, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> you know, it, yeah, it, look, it changed things and that's when everything came to a head as well and I finally got found out. <laughs> oh, okay. Because one of the other things that we were talking about before off, off mm. air was about not being good enough mm. and that sort of emptiness. So ha- what's it like then now that you've actually, you know, you've made it, you've become a professional, you're in this terrific job, did that satisfy any of that inner emptiness? No, not for a while, no, it didn't, you know. Mm. And I was still, when I went into the profession, I was still in active addiction. Um, and I hadn't looked at any of those issues through the STEPS program. Um, and, you know, it's taken me a long time to find my place. Um, and, you know, I've only found my place through the work that I've done in the fellowship and being in the fellowship. Um, I think I would still, it's always, it was always something I knew would give me a level of satisfaction in my work and work for me has never been about earning dollars and prestige. It's been about, you know, walking out at the end of the day and going, yep, I did it. That was really good. And I learned something Mm. today, but that's true sense of, um, satisfaction hasn't come to the last maybe three or four years um, in being more comfortable in my own skin. Yeah. Um, And I only found that in the fellowship. Okay, right. Um, So I think you said um, in 2009 you, after you got into your profession, you decided Mm. to stop gambling. Mm. And how did that work out? How did that work out? Well, it wasn't through it wasn't through choice, you know. And I'm lots of um, gamblers have the same story. Um, I finally got found out, you know. I got caught. How? Do you want to sort of outline? Outline yeah, it. Okay. Yeah. Um, what happened was, as I said <clears throat> earlier, my father had given me a bailout to pay off one of my credit cards, um, and I was in active addiction at the time. Um, in leaving one profession, I received a large payout for um, long service leave and had a month off between jobs and proceeded to gamble that all away. Um, a couple of weeks into my new profession, my dad said, well, you know, maybe you could start paying me that money back. And I actually once in you know, a long time told him, told the truth and just said, well, I can't. And he said, well, how come? And I said, because I'd gamble it all away. Um, And what did he say? Not much. Not much. (laughs) He actually hung up on me. Right. (laughs) Which was pretty unpleasant. Um, He then told my brother and sister. Um, My sister called my partner and said, um, and this was all unbeknownst to me, um, called my partner and said, oh, look, I'm really worried about Rachel. And he said to my sister, well, why? And she told him that, you know, I was punting again and that I'd stolen money from my father and she thought I was going to kill myself. So I got home (laughs) 
how wrong she was. <laughs> yes, to have the what is going on. And I finally just went, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I was going to lose my I was going to lose my partner. I was going to lose my dad. You know, I was potentially going to be homeless and I just I was so tired. I couldn't do it anymore. Mm, yeah, I, people don't realize how much effort it is <clears throat> being an anxious person in the first yeah. place and having this double life and trying to keep them both going at once without conflict. It's it's not an easy ask. It's not. And mm. I mean I I <clears throat> I was doing it on that level for five or six years um, and, you know, I was living with high levels of anxiety for those five or six years. I didn't eat a lot. Um, I smoked lots of cigarettes and drank lots of coffee. So I don't think I was in a very – I wasn't physically very healthy um, and it was exhausting. Um, I didn't sleep well. Um, I dreamt about punting all the time. Yeah, I've heard that a lot, yeah. <clears throat> oh, you would have dreams about the huge win and you'd wake up and go, oh, did what happened? It, really? <laughs> yes, no, maybe? And then go, no, I'm in my bedroom, you yeah. know. But also you'd wake up first thing in the morning and you'd have a couple of seconds where everything was okay and then you would suddenly remember all the lies that you told yesterday and the day before and the day before and I've got no money and how am I going to pay the bills and, 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 and. Mm. And it, <clears throat> it is. It's exhausting. Mm. It's absolutely exhausting. Did you write any of it down Did to keep track of it? Like I'd, I'd forget about some of them. <laughs> you couldn't. No, for me, no, I didn't. I mm. mean, I know other members who, who did. I know another member who kept track of every dollar he spent oh, for wow. four or five years. <clears throat> yeah, I couldn't tell you. I just don't know. Mm. And, you know, it wasn't about accountability at all. And by writing it down, I'm making myself accountable. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah no, <laughs> not big, for me. Big time. Yeah. Off air, we were talking about the 20 questions. Do you want to just mm-hmm. talk about, in in most fellowship, 12-step fellowships, there's 20 questions. If you, if you do some of these things, then you're likely to be an addict, a drug addict, uh, alcoholic or mm. whatever. Um, and so do you want to just go through some of those questions? Oh, some of those questions. You know, some of them are simple, easy things um, like question one is have you lost time um, at work or school due to gambling? And I mean, I can say yes to that, no doubt. Um, you know, and it works through things like um, – did you get a reputation from gambling? You know, that's all I always find an interesting question because I didn't think I did and in, subsequently I found out I did have a pretty terrible reputation. You know, people knew I was gambling even though I thought I was hiding it from everybody. Um, you know, has has gambling affected your family life? You or your family? Yeah. <clears throat> um, and, you know, it's easy to say... Yes, it's affected me. It took me a long time to be able to say it affected my family. Um, you know, and the other in, one I find, that, like, there's a couple of other ones that are interesting. Um, did you ever gamble due to trouble, loneliness, boredom, grief? Oh, I can't remember the other one. So that was always a yes. Yeah. Um, you know, have you gambled to celebrate? Yes. <laughs> and, you know, the one that, that I found I always find interesting is the last one is... Um, have you ever considered 
self-destruction or suicide from your gambling. And when I first came into the program, I, you know, I'd, I'd never really thought about that. And, um, for a while we ran a women's group and I got that question five weeks in a row and I got to the point where I'm looking at these other women going, what is going on with this? And two of them just looked at me and said, well, what do you think? And you don't realize the path that you are going down is a path of self-destruction. Um, you know, I may not have consciously thought of that, but I definitely my subconscious was working on that pretty well. Yep. Um, and if I had a continued, you know, suicide would not have been an unreasonable thing. So, you know, the questions are all, when I first walked in, you know, it says at, at the end, if you answered yes to at least seven of these questions, you may be a compulsive gambler. Um, you know, I would have answered yes to maybe 10 of them. Now I answer yes to 20. <laughs> okay. Well, so we might take another break. Uh, you're listening to Living Free on 3CR on digital radio and live streaming on th- at 3cr.org.au. I'm having a chat with uh, Rachel and we're talking about gambling and how Gamblers Anonymous has helped her to overcome her gambling addiction. So we're about to the point where you're getting into um, Gamblers Anonymous. Mm-hmm. So what was the trigger that sort of made you think gambling, getting, getting help would be a good idea? How would that come about? Oh, it was a long process of just being tired, you know. Um, I'd tried other things. I'd gone to Gambler's Help, um, seen counsellors there. I'd gone to um, a psychologist, which didn't work, but, you know. Were you honest? No. 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 <laughs> no. And, you know, there's one of those things that I still feel a bit of guilt about now. You know, I went and saw this psychologist and I would go and punt before it. I'd sit in this session with her having paid a two hundred dollars for the session <laughs> and she'd say right okay we'll put this in place and that in place and i'd sit there and nod my head and go yep okay that sounds great and you know and i'd walk out and punt again <laughs> <laughs> um in the end you know what made me think about it was um my brother is in um another fellowship and one day he and I were at a family do, and I, um, he and I smoke cigarettes, so we're out the back having a, back having a cigarette, and I sort of said, "Oh, can I have a chat?" And he's like, "Yeah." I said, "Well, what's this NA thing about?" And he told me, and he went, "Why?" And I said, oh, "I think I've got a gambling problem." And you know, he was good enough that he got online and found out where the meeting was, and rang me and said, "There's a meeting in Albert Park on Saturday. I'll go with you." I went. Okay. Okay. All right. Yep. Okay. I'll go. And I don't think I would have walked through the doors by myself, you know, and I'll be eternally grateful to him for that. Um, Don't remember much about it, but I do vividly remember reading step one and going, I am powerless over that first bet and my life is unmanageable. You know, I thought having a job and holding down a job and all of that things associated with that meant my life was manageable and it wasn't you know I was living a dual existence I was in debt up to my eyeballs I was lying all the time and I just had enough um you know and one of the things many people say and I say this to new members is look for the similarities not the differences and I sat there and listened I don't remember much but I remembered people telling me how they felt and they felt the same way as me yep 
and the relief of knowing that I wasn't the only one because I always thought that nobody could be this crazy. You know, I kept on doing it and doing it, knowing how much pain it was causing me and how much more debt it was getting me into and how much more I was lying. And I was just like, nobody can be this crazy. And I found out that, yeah, there were lots of other people that were that crazy. You know, so, you know, the first thing I got was one, I have, I, I there is something, there is actually something wrong with me. Yeah. And two, there is a group of people that are the same as me and I belong somewhere, you know, and it might sound a bit crazy that I belong with a bunch of crazies, but it actually was really... It took a load off my shoulders and made me realise I had somewhere to go where people actually understood me because that was the difficulty with seeing a psychologist and gambler's help. They didn't understand No, no, they'd never been there, yeah. No, and they'd tell me to do things. Like the woman at gambler's help, you know, people talk about minimising, you know, if I only took $20, that wasn't going (laughs) to help me, you know. Um so, yeah, I got a lot of sense of fellowship when I got there and belonging. Yeah. Um, and I just had to keep on doing it. Yeah. A lot of people in fellowship talk about being able to laugh at, at, at what you'd done, the sort of situations yes. you were in. Did you find that too? Not in the early days. Yeah. I remember sitting there in my first six months and, you know, people would say things and they'd all laugh and laugh and I'd just sit there. What are you laughing at? This isn't funny. You know, how can you be laughing? I'm sitting here in this pain. You know, it's not funny. Now, I laugh the hardest, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Because the things we did and the thought processes are insane. And if you can't laugh about it, Mm. you know, and it's laughing together. Yeah, it's laughing about something, not at someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and it was differentiating that in the early days. I yeah. felt very much that, you know, they're all sitting there laughing at me, Yeah, you know, which of course they weren't. No. You know. <laughs> so, so what's it like not mm. being a liar and a cheat and a thief but being responsible? Oh, well, you talk about living, you know, this program's called Living <laughs> Free. Free. Yeah. It is so freeing. It is, it is, you know, it takes a long time and it takes work um, and it takes a level of self-honesty that is actually the hardest part of the program. You know, me telling the, my parents the truth or my family or my friends, that's actually easy. You know, having, being honest with yourself about how you feel about things is the hardest part, but... It is so freeing. You know, I'm I'm beginning to live the life that I always dreamed about living, which I could never live when I was in active addiction. All right. But did you find that you're always avoiding life because of your addiction? Yeah. And now that's not there, so you can engage. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I had such a level of... Um, I You know, we talked about this earlier, um, no self-worth... You know, I thought I was stupid, uh, boring, uninteresting. Why would people want to talk to me? Um, you know, so I avoided people because if I didn't engage with people, then I, that wouldn't get reinforced for me. 
Um, however, the, lone, ooh, the loneliness was reinforced by doing that. By doing nothing, yeah. 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 And look, you know, mm. there's been some active active work I've done on, you know, there's times I've sat there and gone, oh, no, I don't want to do that. And, oh, oh, you know, maybe people don't really want me to come. And then just gone, don't think, don't let that thought process. They've invited you, go. Yep. You know, so yeah, I'm definitely, but also there's a part of that engagement that's been about going out and doing things by myself because I enjoy them, yep. you know. Yep. Um, I took myself to a gig at the jazz festival this year and I had nobody to go with and thought, oh no, I can't do that. <laughs> and I went, yeah, I can. And I had a great night, you know. Yeah. Um, it's been a lot about enjoying the experience, which you don't do when you're in active addiction as no. well. yeah. And having a um, – being in a fellowship like being in a very big family. Oh. That there's a whole lot of people who are looking out for you. Yeah. They don't really care what you're doing. They're just interested no. in what how you are. Yeah. And that you're travelling okay. Yeah. You can be doing whatever, but, you know, they're just interested in you and, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, you and I talked earlier. There was a national conference um, a couple of weeks ago and I went to my first national conference – in my very early days and the sense of fellowship and love and caring that I got from complete strangers, you know, I'd never met at mm. that conference was absolutely amazing. Um, you know, and there are people at that those conferences I only see once a year um, and they walk into the room and open their arms and say, Rachel, you're here, fantastic, yep. you know. I don't know what most of those people do for a job. I don't know whether they're married or not. I don't know who their families are, yeah. you know, but we come together based on a common our common welfare of not punting yeah. and share a level of love and concern for each other that is just fantastic. Mm. No, it, it is really good. It, it, I've often likened it to having a whole lot of uncles and aunties mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're not your parents, but they've no. got a real interest in you as a person. Yeah. And just happy to hear hear about you. you yeah. Know, what's happening? Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. The, the, you know, we talked about this earlier too. You know, you can get up at a meeting and share and cry and, oh, it's terrible. And everybody would just sit there and clap you and go, yeah, that's fantastic, <laughs> Rach. Fantastic. Keep you know, up, yeah. good on you. Great. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's a wonderful thing. Yeah. Uh, so when you got into um, Gambles Anonymous, obviously it was a, a pretty low point in your life mm-hmm. and I think your relationships were in a bit of a mess. So yeah. how have they changed? How have they changed? Particularly with my parents, um, there's a lot – we talk a lot more and the depth of, you know, conversations are – I actually share – myself with my parents now when I never used to, Yeah, you know, and not necessarily, um, you know, my struggles with my addiction, but, you know, my, my, just my general life struggles. Um, you know, you and I talked earlier about, I struggle a bit with anxiety, um, and had a few issues with that lately. And, you know, I really shared that with both my parents and they've been a great support for that, um, and I actually feel like I actually have an adult relationship yeah. with my parents now, which I never have yeah. had. Um, and, you know, that's been a lot of active engagement on my behalf 
to work on those relationships. Um, you know, I told you earlier that my dad hung the phone up on me and I didn't feel like he was ever going to talk to me again. Well, he and I went and travelled for a month earlier in the year. So, you know, th- that attests to, you know, how much better my relationship with my parents are. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah you, it's funny. A lot of people were like, you're travelling with your father? I'm yeah. like, oh, what? <laughs> you know, but it was really good and I've had some I've had some life experiences with both my parents over the last couple of years which are really precious, mm. you know, experiences and I wouldn't have had them if I hadn't have been in the fellowship. No, no, I, I agree, yeah. Um, so how long haven't you been gambling? I haven't gambled since the 2nd of April 2011, so... Seven and a half years, wow. roughly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I still feel like a newbie. <laughs> <laughs> Funny, isn't it? <laughs> um, and one question I was going to ask you: um, you you talk about um, having a punt, you mm. know, and gambling. So, what's the when people talk about gambling? What's the use of terminology? What's the punt bit? Oh, the punt. I think that's more around horses. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> you know. Um, I, I suppose, you know, having had people who bet on the horses when I was a kid, um, for instance, my grandfather used to come over every year for the Melbourne Cup Carnival and they'd right. go yeah. to that. And I'm not quite sure of the history of it, but horse people who bet on horses have always been considered, from, from as long as I can remember, horse punters. Yep. Um, and having worked in the industry, you know, you tend to call people punters. Right, okay. You know, yeah. So You have a punt, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm not quite sure of it. Um, not a lot of people. Uh, uh, most horse people who bet on horses talk of being a horse punter. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I should have done some research on that, shouldn't I? <laughs> Um, and what about your? You have a sister and brother. So, yeah. what what are your relationships with them like? Oh, look, you know, my brother, um, much better. You know, um, I remember he he took me to my first meeting, and we left this first meeting, and he said, "I don't understand." I went, "What do you mean you don't understand?" And he said, um, "Well, you're not drinking, or you're not taking any drugs." So, what's the problem? What's the problem? Yeah. Yeah. And I remember one, you know, maybe eighteen months, two years later, we took we'd take my father out for um, Father's Day and um, or his or his birthday, and um, I talked to him about compulsion, and I could see the light dawning in his eyes about, you know, talking about my compulsion. He understood, and um, you know, now very much we can talk about that. You know, the underlying issues, um, you know, he struggles with his addiction in different ways. Um, I remember recently having a chat with him about, you know, that sense of not belonging. Um, I'd always thought, you know, he's very loud, he's a musician, he's in rock bands, you you know, he's a ladies' man sort of thing. And I thought he always thought he belonged, but I found he had a sense of not belonging either. So, you know, it's been really good to be able to share our fellowship journeys with each other. Yeah. Um, 
And my sister, you know, it's up and down with her. (laughs) But, you know, when it comes down to it, I love her and she loves me and we both know that, you know, and that's – I think I think that's one of the things that's come out of this is, you know, my genuine affection and love for my family is actually genuine. Yes, yeah. Um, Instead of them being in the way, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And inc- yeah. they are actually important. You know, my mm. mum's been <clears throat> sick in the last little bit and I've actually been able to be there for her and actually really give her the caring and love and support that she needs rather than feeling like, oh, well, when do I get out of here so I can go and have a bet? (laughs) Yes. So what are the best things that Gamblers Anonymous have given you? Oh, it's – you asked me this question earlier and Mm. I thought one thing, but it's many, many things for me now. You know, first and foremost, it took away the urge to gamble. Yeah. You know, um, that took – a while, you know, when you first get into the fellowship, that's the only thing that matters um, is not having a punt for today. So, you know, that went away. Um, it gave me a sense of belonging, um, you know, and even though the group's a bit weird and wacky, you know, I I was desperate to have some sense of belonging, um, you know, but it's also given me the ability to have a safe, caring environment to go through the steps and to find out who I really am, you mm. know, and feel comfortable in my own skin, which I'd never felt before, you know, fill that void um, that I was always trying to f- trying to fill, um, you know, and, and reflect about myself and the sort of person I want to be and what life I want to have, you know, rather than feeling society pushing me and telling me what I want, which I wasn't satisfied with, you know. Finding my own path has been a wonderful thing and understanding that finding my own path is okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, is that that <clears throat> sense of it, it's okay the way I want to do it. Yeah, you can relax. Yeah. 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 Just, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, listen, we're just about at time, so... Um, if anybody's out there who'd like to find out more about Gamblers Anonymous, then you can phone them on 03 9696 or you can go online at gaaustralia.org.au. I'm afraid that's all we've got time for today, so I'd like to thank Rachel for coming in and sharing her Gamblers Anonymous recovery experience with us. Thank you. Thanks, Bill. On next week's show, we'll be talking about recovery from compulsive drinking, and I'll be joined by Kestrel and Kate from Alcoholics Anonymous. So I hope you can listen in to Living Free again. 